And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. A weekend edition of Wizards After Dark. We got a special one coming. Uh, I am I am podcasting right now after the Wizards' seventh consecutive win. The Wizards play the Cavs on Sunday. And if they win that game, it's going to be their first eight-game winning streak in 20 years. In 20 years. I, I, I did not see this kind of winning streak coming. I knew they had the relatively soft schedule coming up, but they are... They're playing extraordinarily well. They beat the Thunder last night, recording this Saturday morning. And uh, it's a special pod, not just because the Wizards are playing the best basketball that they've played in years, uh, including January, I guess, when they won 7 out of 8, because now this run is 9 out of 10. But it's also a special pod because for the first time in about six months or so, uh, I've got Mikele Berra on the line to talk some Wizards stuff after they just played the Thunder twice this week, so... Mikkel, you've you've seen some some wizard stuff. Welcome back to the Wizards podcasting world. Hey, hey, Fred. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I saw some Wizards games, and um, well, we had two pretty different games. Uh, I would say uh, early in the week it was um, a little bit rougher on the Wizards side. This one was a very complete game that, except for a few turnovers, it was just the Wizards playing, and they demolished the Thunder in a pretty handily. I would say. Yeah, they, they struggled in the first half. The turnovers in the first half was off. The defense was off. Scott Brooks just – it sounds like Scott Brooks totally chewed him out at halftime, and and defensively they were just – they were much more locked down. The turnover stopped. I thought Beal did a great – I thought Beal did such a great job, and and one of the things that he – he had seven turnovers yesterday, and a lot of it was because of sloppy play in the first half. Mm-hmm. And one of the things with Beal's offense that I think is such a such a – great progression of the way that he plays is that when defenders get physical with him, he responds with more physicality and Dort was guarding him. And Dort is this remarkably physical guy. And the way that Beal responds by, all right, I'm just going to go at you. And his handle is so tight now with the way that he's able to control himself and get by guys, you know, he only had three assists in that game. I thought he facilitated incredibly well. He made some fabulous passes, especially in that third quarter when they were blowing blowing the lead up. Uh, I just, the way that he responds to, to that type of defense, it's just the evolution of a great scorer. And and it's, it's really amazing to watch what he's become. Yeah. And the plan of the Thunder was to basically shadowing Bradley Beal with Lou Dort. I think they played... Uh, 35 minutes of the 36 that Bradley played uh, with Dort on the court and specifically assigned to him. Um, And Dort is a very good defender. Um, But when he faced shooters like Bradley Beal and earlier in the year uh, against the Suns when he had to guard Booker, he doesn't 
have the same effect that you can have on guys like, uh, and that's this, this will seem very uh, strange, guys like Harden, that yes, shut, uh, like he takes a lot of trees, but his bread and butter is also trying to get to the rim at will. And for some reason, when he faces guys like Brad Beal and, and Booker, who are, I don't know what, what, what puts him off a little bit, but he wasn't effective last night. And Bill Hughes screens very well. Um, he used his pull-up very well again. And always kept Dort on his heels, which is not an easy thing to do. And, and as I said, I mean, the first half was basically him turning the ball, uh, the ball over a little bit too much. Because if you look at the shooting splits, first half, 6 out of 12, 2 out of 3 on the 3-point range, second half, exactly the same. So it was very consistent. Uh, and 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 yeah, so it was a great game. And I agree with you. Uh, with, with guys like Dort, you have to be physical. If you let him overpowering you, which happens, then you're done. You're done for the night because he's that good defensively. Um, so... It was a great game. Uh, it helped that Russ had an amazing game as well. Because if you if you have Russ like the first game uh, against the um, between the Wizards and the Thunder, then you can maybe cheat a little bit off and maybe send a double to Bradley Beal uh, tonight. Uh, well, last night it was not possible because Russ was having everything he wanted. So have you have you looked at Russ's numbers during this this streak that they're on right now? They are they're outrageous. Uh, he, he's been, he's had some really off games. He was really bad in the first Thunder game. He was really bad for the first 44 minutes of the Warriors game, uh, and then really turned it on in crunch time. For the most part, he has been quite good. And, and, and look, I've said on this podcast about 500 times that whether or not Russ plays well is not contingent on his counting numbers. It's really not. He can have a game where he's 23, 15, and 15, and you could be like, that was not a great Russ game because the decision-making wasn't there. The turnovers came. He was an inefficient scorer. He took bad shots. You know, the defense wasn't there, whatever it is. And you can have a Russ game where he's 23, 9, and 8, which I guess never happens anymore because he's had a double-double and like... 900 consecutive games. He he has a triple-double in 18 of his last 23 games. Yeah. I mean, That's so insane. I guess that just doesn't happen. But theoretically, you can have a Russ game where it's 21, 7, and 8, and he can play better than in that 25, 15, and 15 game because the decision-making is there, because the bad shots aren't coming, the turnovers aren't coming. He's running the offense incredibly fluidly and pushing pace and getting to the rim and, and all the great things that he's still able to do. And uh, there's been a lot more good Russ than bad Russ on this streak. So they've won nine out of 10. I just, even after my whole spiel about the counting numbers are just, are not what makes, you know, Russ the player he is. They're not indicative of how he's playing. I still think the counting numbers are hilarious and I'm reading them. Russ in these 10 games, which they've won nine of, he's averaging 22.4 points. 13.9 rebounds from your from your point guard 13.9 rebounds 12.6 assists and by the way he's shooting 48 from the field and 36 from 3 uh it's yeah. he's got a 51% effective field goal percentage which which for him is quite high i mean on the season he's like a 47 effective yeah. field goal percentage guy uh that is <laughs> That's that is I mean, the numbers are hilarious. Thirteen point nine rebounds a game from your point guard is is hysterical. It is an outrageous statistic to read over a ten game span. 
Uh, and the, the triple double stuff is, is what it is. And I, I personally find it entertaining to follow. Uh, it is what it is. It's, uh, but these numbers that they're putting up, it's, it's, it's just crazy to see him from a point guard and independent of the numbers. He has been, he was great again in that thunder game. And, uh, he's, he's overall really been really good for them for the last month and a half. Yeah, I mean, Russ can be that. I mean, uh, it's uh, it's still crazy to me, and I was texting you after the first Thunder game, that he could do so many good things on the court consistently, and yet there are moments in the game, uh, like early in the third quarter last night, he started to jack mid-rangers. And you know when he starts that, he's searching for one to fall. And if it if, if, it, if it doesn't fall, he keeps going. And like good for the Wizards that he kind of stopped and then had one going in. So he went back to the world. Now I can get stuff at the rim for me. Because, I mean, if you look at the, the way the Thunder was defending, even if they sent like a guy strong, well, not strong, a tall guy like Baisley on him, he was just destroying him at the rim. He was just putting uh, the shoulder down and just, just darting towards the rim. And there was no one. That could stop him. I mean, Moses Brown is tall, but he's not a shot blocker. I would argue that when he's on the court, the defense is worse for the Thunder, and that number is actually <laughs> quite solid if you if you look at the past twenty game for OKC. So it's you can have anything at the rim. Why you're settling? That thing about Russ, I will never understand because I mean, you you talked about the effective field goal. This is a problem that he has since his early years in the league. He just want that cotton shot, which is his bread and butter, but it's not efficient. So I wonder if like in at any point in the next like two, three years, he will say, you know what? I, I already lowered the trees to some degree. I'm going to lower like those sh- that shot and just try to be um, more efficient at the rim. Um, because he's strong. He can bully people. If you don't put the right uh, guard on him, he's he's able to posting you up. So, I don't know. Uh, overall, again, when he has games like that, he's the best player on the court. Even if Bradley Beal had a crazy night, he Russ was the engine of the offense. And um, when he's that, I mean, the Wizards ha- are pretty good. I-, I would say they lack something off the bench, but... Um, they are quite good with the starting unit, especially uh, when Rui will be back. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, so many people are asking, how the hell does this team win nine out of 10? And part of the answer is the fact that since April 6th, 10 games ago, they are third in the NBA in defensive efficiency. That's points allowed per possession. Mm-hmm. Third, third, third in defense, which is just, 
that that is a wild progression from a team that has consistently been bottom five for three straight years. That being said, sometimes the answer to how does a team win nine out of ten after they start seventeen and thirty-two, sometimes the main answers can be very simple, which is all the best players are playing their best. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it doesn't take that much more analysis than that. Russ is easily playing his best basketball this season, and it's not close. Yeah. Beal, Beal is, over these 10 games, averaging 30 a game on exactly uh, on 47, 40, 89 shooting. So he's just putting up a casual 30 on extremely efficient shooting. Um, Bertans, meanwhile, is... It's not even like he's shooting like he was last year. You know, Scott Brooks said all year when he was shooting 35%, 37% to start the year, and he's he doesn't look like himself. His shots are short. He shows up out of shape. He's late to training camp because of visa issues. He has a couple of injuries that he has to get over. He ends up in the health and safety protocols and all these things. Scott Brooks keeps saying he is too great of a shooter for this to happen. At some point, this guy is going to go a month straight where he hits half of his threes. And he kept saying that, and it sounds like hyperbole. And Scott Brooks kept reinforcing, no, he's actually going to go a month where he hits actually half of his threes. That is what's going to happen. He is not going to shoot worse than 40%. He is too good of a shooter. Uh, Well, over the last 10 games, Bertans is shooting 49% from three. (laughs) So Scott Brooks is correct. This his his prediction is exactly on point. He's over forty percent now, and all that Berton swagger is just back. Like he is, he is chucking everything the second he touches it. And you know, one of the there were a couple of factors that kind of showed how off Berton's was at the start of the year. The first one was that he was missing short so often. Yeah, so many of his threes were just hitting Legs. the front of the rim. Hmm. It was legs. He was tired. He wasn't in shape. The conditioning wasn't there. However you want to phrase it. He was short on everything. I wrote a story where I tracked all of his threes, uh, you know, the first month and a half, two months of the season and compared his misses to the previous year. He was missing short twice as often as he did last year. Yeah. Uh, Just a giant, giant difference. And uh, it was because he was tired. The other thing that stood out was the corner threes. Bertans is an outrageous corner three-point shooter. Yeah. And like when I say outrageous, he he shot 57% on corner threes last year. (laughs) That is insane. And not only was it not a fluke, it went down from the previous year because he was 60% on corner threes his last year in San Antonio. So in consecutive years, he shoots 60, he shoots 57 on on corner threes. Uh, And then this year, at the beginning of the year, it's like 38% on corner threes. And that's where you're like, something's off. This guy does not shoot 38% on corner threes. It's still very low for him. It's something in the 40s, which he doesn't do on corner threes. He just doesn't do it. He's over. He's like a 54%, 53% corner three shooter in his career, which is just pure. I can't even comprehend that. It's insanity. Yeah. But what he's been the last... 10 games and and really going back before that, it's just, they've been winning a lot these last 10 games, but he's been hot for longer than that. What he's been able to do, it just transforms their offense. It really does. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have a guy that can take a shot in a split of a second and and you cannot really block him because it's mm. it's too tall and if you are too close to him you really risk to foul him and so you have to give him a little bit of space not much and it's just impossible to guard and if you like if you try to to guard him close he will just basically take take two steps back and he will nail from there anyway that is I mean, guys like Bertans, to me, are transformative in an offense. I mean, you can have a different offense just because you have him there. And that's why I was positive on the Wizards to the beginning of, at the beginning of the season, because you have Russ, which is, who is not a shooter. You have Bill, he's a very good shooter. Uh, and then you have Bertans. And I thought that the pairing between Russ and Bertans was something that could unlock the true potential of Russell Westbrook. Because if you play lineups where you don't have many centers um, which the wizards are not doing right now uh, then you can really do something uh, because the floor is completely open for us and it's not open like you have guys like terence ferguson or whoever on the corner that yeah you can you can leave them uh you cannot leave bertans you cannot leave brad wheel so that was the the thought that i had at the beginning of the season and, and that we maybe discussed during the the draft preview um or some other time i don't know but I really think that he is the, I, I don't want to say uh, the focal point because, I mean, when you have Brad Beal and, and Russ, those are the players that have to perform in order for the Wizards to win. But Bertans shooting lights out is crucial for them to have a functional offense. Otherwise, the space is just not there. And, um, you know, I mean... Uh, on the other side of the course, the court there was Pokushevsky, who is not a player that really compares to Bertans, but there is one thing that they compare uh, quite well, I would say. The fact that being that tall and quick with the shooting motion, if you have a player like that that nails 40% of a shooter, of, of, his, of his trees, that completely changes the dynamic. Now, Poku is not a shooter right now. He's 25, 26, 27%, I don't know. Um, but the... If you have players like that that can be shooters at that and then being that tall, again, it's uh, it's just something that you cannot find everywhere. Uh, and Bertans is very special. It you're right. It transforms the offense because they don't have a lot of shooters, and Brooks is just kind of. I mean, Garrison Matthews is not out of the rotation, but he's he's really not playing consequential minutes anymore, mm-hmm. and and. And when he has played, he really hasn't played well for about three weeks now. He just he's he's struggled with his shot. Uh, I don't. I think he's struggled a little bit. He's gotten beat defensively some more, uh, and and he hasn't necessarily produced and forced Brooks to put him back into the rotation. And Brooks has always had a tendency to kind of get away from him too. So, you know, when he's not out there, it's just like where where are the shooters? You know, Neto, you have to guard. Beal, yeah. you obviously have to guard. Bertans is the one in terms of just the off-ball shooter who is going to suck defenders 30 feet from the rim and scare the crap out of you. Bertans is that guy, and that's it. I mean, you look at their other off-ball options, and we're going to talk about Denny in a second, but Denny, when he's out there, is not that guy. And then no. you've got the three centers they play. Gafford is at the is at the rim. Neto's at the rim. Lopez is at the rim. Bonga seems like he's going to get it, you know, 10 to 15 minutes now. Bonga's not that guy. You're not going to go out there and guard him. Chandler Hutchison, you're not going to go out and guard no. him. Uh, you know, all these guys are, they're just, they're Ish Smith, you know. Ne- 
that that that's kind of it. And you know, it's really it's Neto, it's Beal, and it's Bertans. And by the way, Bertans is the only one out of that threesome with a three point percentage currently above league average. Neto's right at the league average, and Beal's three point percentage is below right now. And and that doesn't mean that those guys are. Yeah, you know, it doesn't mean that Beal is a below average three point shooter, but it just it's a stat that kind of points out how much they need Davis Bertans because because he he really is the spacing of two guys, you know, with just how scary he is. Really, his fear factor is more important than the number of threes that he makes. Yeah. But he's got to make those threes in order to inflict the fear factor. And the fact that I mean he's He's been great. I think his defense has been better than it was early in the year, which makes sense because I bet you he's in better shape now than he was in January. He's just, this is, I don't know if he's an $80 million player or not, but this is why he got his 80 mil, you know? If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, the the number is not bad. I still think that, well, at the beginning of the season, it looked like horribly bad uh, because I mean, you, you never want to have a guy that comes in and is not ready to play. Um, that I think is still something that the wizard may want back because the the record of this year. I'm not saying that he's all the times, but if you have him shooting 40, 42, 43%, 44% at the beginning of the season, I don't think that the Wizards are where they are today. Um, maybe they are not in a completely different position, but it's not crazy to think that they have at least four or five wins more. Uh, just because, again, Batons makes everything easy. On the defensive side, um, let me be a little bit um, critical. I mean, if you look at the last 10 games, Orlando, Golden State, Phoenix and Utah, pretty good teams. Uh, Sacramento, New Orleans, Detroit, OKC, Golden State, OKC. I see two teams that have a very good offense and the others that have a horrible offense. So I really want to see what happens to the Wizards' defensive rating when they face a little bit of a tougher schedule in terms of offense that they face because phoenix is a great offense but they lost uh utah is usually a great offense that is, that was a good game 
the others. I mean, Golden State is, I know that Curry is going supernova, but still, they, they are not a good offense. Curry is a great scorer. That's it. The other teams are just horrible offensively. So how much do you think that has basically impacted the, the fact that they are the third uh, defensive in defensive rating over that stretch? Massively. I'm sure it's impacted it massively. Uh, I still think the defense is notable. I mm-hmm. mean, the fact I don't think they were capable of playing this kind of defense against any sort of offense mm-hmm. at any point over the last three years. You know, um, I also think there are certain there are certain aspects of their defense which were less opponent dependent that have gotten better. You know, mm-hmm. there were there were a lot of moments early in the year and certainly last year and certainly the year before that where they were just in scrambles and they were in constant scrambles all the time. I think that is better. I think their transition defense is better. Mm-hmm. And when I say transition defense, I don't even need necessarily stopping guys on fast breaks. I mean, just being able to match up. There are so many times where they get beat down the floor and then mm-hmm. there's a mismatch. And they don't end up get having to pay for it with 19 seconds left on the shot clock. They pay for it with six seconds left on the shot clock because that offense ends up finding the mismatch and then exploiting it. And obviously yeah. good offenses are better at that than bad offenses. That's what makes them good offenses. But I just don't see them getting mismatched as often now. Um, and those are a couple of things where I just, I just think they're better at it. I also think Daniel Gafford has made a legitimate impact for them. I mean, he is... He is really bothering opponents at the rim. He's he's blocking four shots per 36 minutes, more, more than four shots per 36 minutes since he came to the Wizards. Uh, he, the opponents are just not making shots. He's altering everything. He's extremely intimidating there. He totally gets caught out of position. He totally gets caught leaving his feet and giving up layups every once in a while. All of those things absolutely happen. He's still been a, a, a very obvious net positive for them. Uh and so I think I think I think Beal has been better defensively. The, when I said third in defensive rating over this stretch, my argument is not they are the quality now moving yeah, forward yeah. of a number three defense, but the fact that they're capable of playing competent defense is is a really big thing for them. And uh, I'm I don't know there there are elements of this that look real to me, you yeah. know. Yeah, no, not that, not that necessarily the overall number, but there are specific fundamental elements where I'm like, all right, like they got back on that. You know, yeah, you play the Kings, bad offense, but they move real fast. If you if you if you don't keep up with the with their offense, they will make you pay in transition. You know, and they they do a good job. Uh, you know, there are certain elements of of their defense that I think can carry over. You know. <laughs> Yeah, and and to be honest with you, um, for the entire game last night, I rarely had the impression that OKC was finding the sh- the shot that they are usually finding. Um, granted, they don't make them anyway. This is why they are a terrible team. But there there were plenty of um, games, even in this horrible losing streak streak that they are having, where you can see them playing good basketball. Last night, I saw a team that was getting shots, but not necessarily great shots. And that is always something that feels good for the opponent defense. Like you, you see them not having, as you said, breakdowns. When you have breakdowns and when you are basically chasing the ball every single time, then it A, you are more t- 
tired. It seems counterintuitive because you think that if you are not playing defense, uh, good defense, then maybe you are you have more more energy for offense. That's that's not always true. I mean, if if you're lazy, it's true. But if you are behind the possession because you're not in a good place and then you have to chase, it's it's not really better. Um, so. I really think that there is something to that. And Gafford, I mean, I watched him for, I have to admit, for the first time um, early this season when Chicago and OKC played uh, a preseason game. Uh, it was clearly meaningless. Um, and But he was feisty. And I said, hmm, that is a guy that may have a role as a backup big. And, and and then they they played in the regular season and I had the same impression. I mean, granted, he's not doing like crazy stuff on offense but he's a guy that gives a ton of effort on the court he's a okay rebounder for his size he competes there he blocks out so you know that you can kind of trust him there and as I said he he's a guy that bothers uh opponents at the rim and i wonder if he has even more uh since he's a pretty good athlete i would say uh, maybe he has even more switching potential um down the line now uh, it's hard for bigs but he seems mobile enough where if he if he learns uh, and if he tries to play that kind of defense, maybe he will not the guy that you leave on an island and and then basically just die there. Um, so uh, I really like him. Again, I don't know if he ever uh, going to be more than a backup big. Uh, it doesn't seem like, but it's a it's a very good backup big to have because again, energy guys that can uh, hold their own in the post and maybe be. Um, just pick and roll partners partners for us that is helpful yeah he's averaging 20 per 36 minutes with the wizards he's playing about 18 minutes a game but per 36 he's averaging 23 points 13 rebounds and 4.1 blocks uh his worst game since joining the wizards of the 10 was last night against the thunder and not just because he had two points i you know i i i think the switchability could come Mm -hmm. uh but and i you know, watching him last night against defend Roby on the perimeter. And I like Roby. I think Roby could be a nice offensive center. But, you know, Roby's kind of getting by him when he's on an island against him. And if he's going to struggle against against Roby in space, then, then you know, you might have to dial back on the, the overly switchability. But, yeah, emergency switches, all that kind of stuff, having to defend perimeter guys, you know, perimeter guys when – there's no other option to do it it's like yeah i could see that happening he's he's pretty quick for someone his size and yeah. uh you know he 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 goes hard on on uh on defense i can you stay for five more minutes is that okay two let's make it two <laughs> well we gotta we gotta we i just we gotta talk about denny yeah quick. yeah sure um because he i haven't done a podcast i i wrote about it so i wrote a very long a very in-depth story which you can check out on the athletic if you're not a subscriber go to the athletic.com slash wizards after dark and you can you can check it out there uh and you can i say you can sign up for 3.99 a month and then you can read that story over at the athletic dc or you can go to my author page and see a story that posted on wednesday uh denny or on thursday i guess thursday wednesday uh denny fractured the ankle uh he is done for 12 weeks they said which means he's done for the season He's going to make a full recovery. He doesn't need surgery. You know, when you see that injury, you're like, oh, man. Like, you just hope it's it's not the worst possible thing. Quite honestly, when you hear 12 weeks and no surgery and full recovery, like, my reaction is, 
oh wow, that's that's good news. Yes, you know, absolutely. No, yeah. I I really think that. I mean, I watched the uh, the injury uh, before the pod, and it's one of those things where it could be way worse than that. I mean, it's um, it's down like under the basket, a lot of legs there, a lot of bodies, and it's uh, like. Anything can happen. So I really think that 12 weeks, no surgery. Um, it's important because it's it's likely that he he's going to be able to do more in his recovery. Uh, if you if you have surgery, it, it's it's way more tough, uh, the recovery and the thing that you really cannot move and and stuff like that. So it's it's good for well, it's good that it's not severe and it's good because he will uh, probably can do more during his recovery than um, with a surgery or something like that. So it's um, it's probably he's probably going to be ready uh, for the beginning of the season and um, more close to that. Let's put it this way. Yeah, and I'll do I'll do a standard pod where we're going to dive deeper into Denny's rookie season and and evaluating that. I'm sure I'll have been on early in the upcoming week. I haven't even spoken to him about it, but. I'm sure he'll be on because he always is. And I'm sure we'll work out a time and uh, we're, we're going to dive deeper into Denny's rookie season and kind of go through and evaluate what his rookie season was like, the ups and downs, and kind of what expectations might be for next year. I'm sure we'll record something early next week. Uh, like I said, you can subscribe to uh, The Athletic. If you're not a subscriber, you can all you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark, and you can sign up for $3.99 a month. If you want to do that, it is worth it. You don't just get Wizards content. You don't just get my content, but you get everything. You get all NBA. You get all NFL, MLB, whatever you want. Full access to the site, and you get this podcast ad-free as well. Uh, tell your friends about Wizards After Dark. If you're not a subscriber, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. And when you tell your friends about Wizards After Dark, tell them to subscribe to Wizards After Dark. If you're a big time listener and you really want to help out the podcast, you can help out by just going to iTunes, giving us five stars. The written reviews super, super, super duper help us. So uh, if you want to leave a written review, that's always great. Like I said, I am going to force Ben Standick to do a podcast with me early this week. Uh, I'm sure that will be up sometime, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, I don't know, something in that realm. Whenever it is, I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 